Hey, y'all, it's Rima Khres. Welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. So I'm handing off the show today to our producer, Peter Balanon-Rosen. For months, he's been working on a story about how money can complicate grief. As a quick warning, today's episode deals with depression and suicide, so definitely skip this episode if you need to. Okay, here's Peter. My first memory of my friend Dean is him sitting in the dark. We met on a bench outside of a punk show in college and hit it off. Almost 10 years later, we live together. Can you just, like, introduce yourself? Say, hi, my name is... Hi, my name is Dean Antonio. <laughs> All right, again. Hi, my name is Dean Antonio. Okay, one more time. What, what do you want from me? <laughs> hi, my name is Dean Antonio. Very nice. I'm absolutely <laughs> fucking with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Two years ago, when Dean went home for Thanksgiving, he came back with this big cardboard box. Can we, can we pull this out and go yeah. through it? Gotta clear all the stuff off. The box is full of cassettes. So my dad used to play in a Greek band, and a lot of these tapes were handmade mixtapes that they would make for whatever the, the hits were at the time. Yeah, why don't you pick one? Why don't we throw it on? Let's try... So how's it feel hearing these? Uh, I mean, it makes me feel connected to my dad, you know? Um, we never really listened to these tapes when he was alive. Um, and so after, after he died, listening to it now, it's like I'll hear a song that I like and go look it up, and it kind of feels like he's like, He's, like, still teaching me stuff, you know? Yeah. These mixtapes are just a small part of Dean's inheritance. When his dad died, he also left him a bunch of money. Money that two years later, Dean still doesn't want to deal with. I think I've been too overwhelmed and too scared to ask about what to do next. Why do you think you're scared? Part of my personality for my whole life is not making decisions because I'm worried I'm going to mess them up and now the stakes are higher than ever. Should we skip a little? Dean grew up north of Boston and as a kid, him and his dad were super tight. His dad Jim was really warm and really caring. He and I were, were really close. We were like friends in a lot of ways. Dean and his dad, who happened to be choir director at their church, bonded over music. On Saturday mornings, they'd sit together at the piano in their living room, and Jim would teach Dean to play. So I still remember, like, the hymns printed out on this weird green paper, and I'm like, what, why don't we just buy white paper? <laughs> Maybe it's cheaper than green. <laughs> Whatever they had at Costco, I guess. <laughs> How was money talked about in your household? With a lot of tension. <laughs> For my dad, it was kind of a fraught topic. Uh, 
Jim had a tricky relationship with money. One of the things that I think he tried to teach me was that, like, money is something you have so that you can use it, especially for other people. Which sounds like a good lesson in generosity, but at times Jim could just spend, spend, spend. Like a few years ago on his 58th birthday, Dean, Dean's brother, and Dean's brother's boyfriend met up with Jim in New York City. And Jim, the Greek musician, wanted to see some Greek music. It's really common in Greek clubs for you to, like, throw money for the band. And, like, he must have thrown, like, probably, like, $200 in singles. Well, it's a lot of singles. Yeah, it was, you know, for him, he was a musician, and he was like, oh, I have to do this for them, right? I have to show them that I appreciate what they're doing. That weekend, they also went to a Broadway show, a Russian tea room, ate caviar, ordered champagne. Were you, like, into the, like, extravagance? I was torn, right? Because part of me was like, oh, it's his birthday. He's happy. He wants to do all these things for us. He wants to enjoy himself. But also, it felt like it was too much. It wasn't the amount of money that made Dean uneasy. It was what it could mean. So my dad had bipolar disorder. And when he would be in more manic states, he had a tendency to spend money more quickly. When Dean was growing up, money could just disappear, which really stressed out his mom. To my dad, it felt like my mom was like watching how he spent every penny. And to my mom, she was worried about making sure that her husband was safe and her kids were safe. For Jim, living with bipolar disorder meant he'd have these long periods of depression. And then he'd get really manic, which could last months. In those times, he'd get to work early, leave late. His colleagues even called him Super Jim. In some ways, I loved that my dad had more energy and that he was more outgoing. But it also, it didn't feel right. It was like there was something like unhinged about it. While Dean was in college, his parents divorced. A couple years later, Jim started talking about his life insurance policies, that everything would go to Dean and his brother. The first time, it felt like a responsible father-son conversation. But then it kept happening. I would always be like, Dad, I don't want to hear this. And he would, he would be like, no, you need to know, like if anything ever happened, I need to know that you guys are taken care of. Dean tried to push these conversations to the back of his mind. He buried himself in work and music, and he'd check in on his dad a few times a week. Then, in 2017, Dean moved to New York City. He'd talk to his dad on the phone all the time, and he started getting worried. Jim was in the middle of a depressive episode, and he'd taken weeks off of work. He's like, I don't think I can keep my job. I was like, well... What makes you say that? And he's like, I don't have any energy. I can't focus. And he's like, if I lose my job, he he had accrued so much debt at that point. I still remember talking to him, and he was so panicked. And he was like, Dean, it's it's all a house of cards. It's it's all gonna come tumbling down. 
And then, one day, summer 2017, Dean saw he missed a call from his brother. So it was June 8th, I guess one of the first really nice days of the summer. Called my brother back and um, and he could he could hardly get through the sentence, but he was like, "Dad's dead." Um, but it felt like I wasn't in my body, and I was just like running down the street and screaming like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I just talked to him last night. The day before, Jim had gone into work for a meeting about taking a medical leave because of his depression. And like always, Dean checked in on him. I, I tried to talk to him afterwards and say like, hey, how did the meeting go? And he just said, I just texted back, I, I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well... Okay, I understand, but, like, I love you, and I'm always here to talk. And he just texted back, I love you. and <laughs> Yeah, and he, he didn't show up for work the next day, so um, his boss called the police, and um, they went to his apartment. That's where they found him. Yeah. Did you immediately know it was suicide? Yeah. Yeah, no no doubt. (laughs) I think I just knew by the way he had sounded on the phone the past couple of times I'd talked to him. Um, And I remember (laughs) just walking up to some random building and just like, slamming my hand into cement. (laughs) Dean rushed to Massachusetts to be with his family. And then, in the middle of funeral preparations, they got an email from the HR rep at Jim's company asking if they had time to talk. So we gave her a call, and it was a really strange conversation. She said the company was going to send them a check, and she rattled off what was coming. Jim's last paycheck, the bonuses he was due, stocks, and Jim's life insurance policy. It felt horrible to even have to think about money at that point. And it it felt, like, dirty to know that I was getting money because he died. All the money was going to Dean and his brother. And as much as Dean didn't want to think about that, they had to deal with Jim's debt. After he died, you know, and we had to settle all of his credit card debts, he was to the point where I think he had like $15,000 in debt. We have no idea what he was using that money for. There was another debt Dean really didn't want to face. His own. Jim had been making monthly payments on Dean's student loan account. And the deal was, when Dean could afford to take over, he would. And then, a few months later, Dean got an email from his dad's insurance company. His paperwork had gone through, and the money? Direct deposited into my bank account. How much money? My brother and I each got a 
about $400,000. It's, it's a lot of money and, you know, I don't want any of it. <laughs> With the help of a financial advisor, he put some money into an investment account, a new checking account, and an estate account, but left the remaining money, maybe 150 k in his personal checking. I haven't taken a receipt from an ATM in two years because it's, like, too painful to see the number up on the screen or on the piece of paper. What exactly is it reminding you of? That I don't have my dad anymore. That I got money because I don't have my dad anymore. That... I have to use this money wisely because it's one of the last things I have from him. <laughs> yeah, and that's a lot to pop up like at the ATM in a bar, right? Like on a Saturday night. I'm sure. Just to be like, oh, let me get some more uh, money for my drinks. And my dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, were there times that you found yourself avoiding that at all costs? Yeah. Uh, I go out of my way to, to not think about it. But as much as Dean doesn't want to deal with it, he has to. That's after the break. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. All right, you want to you want to rock a riff for the for the for the mic? <laughs> it's a Monday morning, and Dean and I are sitting in our apartment. He's playing a Turkish instrument called the saz. In college, I'd always find Dean watching YouTube videos of saz players. He really wanted one, but a two hundred dollar instrument was a lot for a broke college kid. So Jim told him, "Get it. I'll split the cost with you." That's the kind of father he wanted to be. Like a father who encourages their kids and does what he can to bring them joy. And I think of him every time I pick it up. Even though Dean knows that his dad would want him to use the inheritance to buy a new musical instrument or go on a trip to Greece, Dean can't bring himself to spend the money on, well, basically anything. It's like this constant sense of guilt that his death could somehow benefit me. And I wonder if if my dad thought about it that way. Because when Dean and his brother went into Jim's apartment to grab his music, his photos, they found something else. A neat pile of financial documents on Jim's desk. You know, when we found that, we looked at each other and we were like, did he do this for us? Did he get these papers out for us? Like, he was already thinking about the money we were due before he was even dead. 
Like, do you think... Do you see this as a gift that your dad left you? No, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a gift. A gift is something you choose to give someone. Like, what a... Like, what a twisted gift that would be, right? Like, that's not what I wanted from him. You know, I wanted him to be around. I wanted him to be at my fucking wedding, you know? Or, like, meet my kids someday if I have kids. Like... So, it doesn't feel like a gift. It feels like a weird consolation prize. So since he got it, Dean's felt too messed up about the money to even touch it. The only thing I knew I had to do with it was pay off my student loans. And I still haven't done that yet. It's like Dean's in this weird state of limbo. The money weighs on him, but he can't spend it. He has guilt about having it, but then guilt about not using it, especially when it comes to his student loans. Do you think you're both repulsed and attached to it? Yeah, I think I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I also don't know what I'll do without it. Just a few weeks ago, Dean told me he really wanted to be okay with spending the money, but he didn't know how. So I got him to talk to a financial therapist, someone whose actual job is to help people cope with their feelings about money. And the therapist had one piece of advice he really took to heart. To spend time every week, like, devoted to getting more comfortable with this whole situation. Dean told me he had a plan. Every week, he was going to sit down with a question about the money, look at his accounts, and make space for his feelings. Wednesday nights on the couch, you're invited. All right, I'll (laughs) I'll be there. You bring the beer. All right, perfect. (laughs) Let's do it. And then, two days later, Dean's on the couch when I get home. All right, Dean, what day is it? Oh, it's Wednesday. I got the six-pack. I grab two beers. Cheers. And Dean pulls out his computer and a notebook he got just for this. His goal tonight, log into his student loan account and scribble down the amount of each loan, just to get reacquainted. Shit, that one's big. (laughs) That, like, hurt to write that down. Yeah. Do you want to share how much it was? It's like $52,000 for one of them. It's one of six loans he still needs to pay off. I feel guilty that that debt was something that my dad was primarily paying before he died. And to know that a huge part of his depression was about how much money he owed to people, I mean, it's, it's hard. Then, sitting there on the couch, staring at the loan amounts, Dean turns to me. I don't know if I ever told you this, but, and I forgot about it until right now. I tried to pay them all off one day. And what happened? I submitted the payment. 
I hung up the phone because I, I did it over the phone and immediately like started to panic. It's like, I'm not ready to let go of this because it's tied to my dad. And I called them back and canceled the payment. And I think I've probably put it off since then because I was worried about the same thing happening. So if you're thinking tonight will be the night that Dean pays off his loans, says, fuck it, I'm here, let's do this, which I secretly hoped for, that's not what happens. But it is the first time he's faced these numbers head on in over a year. And to me, that was big. I've seen you over the past two years and you've been walking around with this weight on you. Even just taking the first steps to interact with it and like think about it and touch it, I think that's a huge first step. Yeah, but then part of me gets angry at myself that this feels like such a big step to like open up a web page and look at some numbers, right? Especially when I should have taken care of it years ago, like literally years ago at this point. But you know, I get it. It's like the money is still one way Dean can be connected to his dad. And spending it would whittle that connection away. I think I am worried that if I use it, even if it's on the right thing, then that's it. It's it's over. And I think I get worried that if I'm not if I'm not always thinking about my dad or if I'm not always sad about it then I'm not like honoring him there's one thing Dean wants to do with the money someday his mom suggested setting up a memorial scholarship fund for researchers studying suicide prevention but to do that he knows he'll have to be able to let the money go when the money doesn't hold that much weight or like emotional charge it's probably a sign that I've come to terms with things do you think your dad would have any advice in this situation (laughs) yeah yeah he would did I tell you about the elephant thing no, what's the elephant thing? <laughs> my my dad and I used to have to rake the leaves every fall. This was Massachusetts fall. As a teen, Dean and Jim would get up on Saturday mornings and rake for hours. One morning, though, Dean just didn't want to do it. And he he sat down with me, and he's like, you could eat an elephant if you eat it one bite at a time. And so, over the years, anytime Dean or Jim faced a situation that felt impossible, they'd come back to that saying. We would say to each other, oh man, those elephants. I still remember him texting me and he'd be like, oh, the tusks, the tusks are the worst part. <laughs> you know, and like, over time, it, it also came to be about 
his struggles with his mental illness, right? He would talk about when he was really down and out, like how bad those elephants were. But uh, I think if he had any advice, it'd be you can eat an elephant if you take it one bite at a time. All right, this is just a new elephant, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, in his words, I'm sick of those elephants. Dean still listens to an old voicemail from his dad once a month, just to hear his voice. Hello. I'm just pulling in here. Hoping you're here. I'll try you again in a few minutes. I'm assuming that this is around some place. Love you. Talk to you in a minute. Bye. So I know some days will be easier than others. And as much as I want Dean to accept everything just to the inheritance as money, I'm not him. I'm just his slightly overbearing friend who loves him and knows it'll get easier one bite at a time. That guy singing, that was Jim Antonio, who passed away June 8th, 2017. To learn more about mental health and suicide, including risk factors and warning signs, visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention at AFSP.org. And if you need help right now, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, or you can text the word TALK to 741-741. This episode of This Is Uncomfortable was reported by Peter Balanon-Rosen. The show is produced by me, Lima Hreis, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Megan Dietry is our senior producer. Charlton Thorpe is our technical director. Engineering support by Robin Edgar. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Luna Danish is our intern. Special thanks to Amanda Clayman, Chrissy Clark, Caitlin Esch, Eliza Mills, Erica Romero, Dan Marino, Brett Ween, Stephanie Rogers, and Molly Schwartz. Zatara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand, and Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. The music is by Wonderly. All right, catch y'all next week. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy.